My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies, and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share, and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening, and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. My guest today is Sally Ely. Now, Sally is the director at the City and Guilds Foundation, but she began her early career at P&O Ferries before moving into PR and communications. These days, she has a real passion for working with organisations with a strong social purpose. Now, we haven't met, so I'm really looking forward to finding out more. Sally, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm really well, Angela. Thank you. And yeah, it's a great pleasure to be here. And of course, we are on lockdown, so we are meeting over technology. Yeah. Um, who knows what might go wrong, but we'll just wait and see. <laughs> yeah, get through it. Absolutely. We've had dogs barking and doorbells ringing and all manner of things, but it just shows that it's the reality of our current situation. Now, we always start the podcast, Sally, with getting you into the mindset for celebrating your own success. And I like to call it the shake your pom poms moment, you know, being your own cheerleader. So I'd love it if you would start us off by sharing your three proudest moments. Okay, right. So um, they're sort of long moments really but the the three proudest times in my life I would say firstly when I was uh 20 I went to France I did a French degree and I spent a year in France and I learned to speak French fluently and realized how how much you could achieve if you just put your mind to it and before that all through my schooling I hadn't really thought that you could be good at something and so I was really proud that I went to France barely being able to speak French and then came back being able to have a chat with anyone. So that was my first. My second one, I would say, is on a more serious note, um, when I got divorced um, some 10 years ago, I've got uh, children who, uh, who were very young at the time. They were four and six. And my proudest moment is the fact that we've managed to be a really good family despite being divorced and so they live you know that that's their normal um, and it is quite hard because it's not normally like that so I'm proud that they've still got a fam. we've all got a family albeit an unusual one and my third proudest moment is that I've managed to do up my project house pretty much on my own, which I never thought I'd be able to do because I had no idea what to do, found it really difficult, but it's nearly there. So I'm, I'm proud of that. 
Wow, that third one is amazing. So you've actually done all of the work yourself. Well, no, 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 I haven't done it all myself, but I've managed to find out how you do. I've got the money for it. I've got the right people and I've had great wow. people do the work. And before that, I'd always thought, oh God, it's so much hassle. How do you do, you know, you get ripped off, all of that. And I've I've managed it alongside work and the kids. And, it, you know, a lot of people would be able to do that. With, with their eyes shut but for me that was a big challenge so I'm proud of it in my you know for me I love that and it demonstrates the one that you used at the beginning as well in terms of learning to speak French and you said you know if you put your mind to something it, you can make it happen and and you've done that yeah I think that's true I think the one that stands out for me the most is your ability to actually bring together a family that has been split through divorce. And, and you've now you've told me that you've got teenage daughters now. So you must be like a little team at home, the three girls together. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, your ex-husband, I suppose, coming into that. And I think that's pretty mm -hmm. inspirational for particularly for women who are thinking about career family how do you blend the two absolutely um, so can we talk a little bit about uh, more about that in terms yeah, of how you manage that well to be honest that was one of the um that was one of the things that led to the divorce because when I and I have to say before I had children and I had them in my sort of mid-30s I always thought well there is equality um you know I was encouraged to follow my passion for my career I loved my job I was doing well and then I had children and actually, it wasn't easy at all to go back and manage a children and a husband and a social life, et cetera, et cetera. And that put us under great pressure. And so um, and some of that pressure, I think, led to the to us not being able to continue our relationship um, because I've always prioritized work. feel guilty for even saying that because I love it. I loved it more than I loved playing games with my kids. Um, oh, me too. I've wanted both and I you know I think it's it is really hard because you know we do want to have it all but it's actually really really difficult um and I think you know it's it's great to hear inspiring stories of Nicola Horlicks for example who do great things with five kids and run the worlds but actually for many of us it's really really tough and so um you know doing managing to continue with work bring up a family keep relationships going I think is a constant challenge I can totally relate to it it is that feeling of juggling so many balls yeah. and within that then being able to prioritize yourself let alone your partner and then the kids there's always this kind of feeling of guilt and I see this more and more with my clients in terms of am I able to have it all am I being selfish by wanting it all and the fact that you've been able to do it and do it in a really balanced way is really motivating and inspiring for people so I really appreciate you sharing that thank you and and in that you said as as I've said many times you love work you know you you prioritize work and I can totally understand that so let's just find out a little bit more about your career because you started off at P&O and now you're heading up the, the City and Girls Foundation those two things are quite far removed so let's have a chat about that. So I, yes I started I did my French degree um, which led me to P&O because it was you know cross-channel ferry company and I thought oh I want to go and work and live in France because I'd loved it so much and then of course things don't work out how you imagine I actually ended up getting into marketing and then doing a, a marketing qualification at Portsmouth University which then 
let someone introduce me to someone who ran a small PR company and I ended up getting a job in a PR company. And then I realized that actually I much preferred the clients that were had some kind of um, charitable or social purpose than those that were purely about profit, which so then I, I wanted to move away from Portsmouth at the time. And I moved up to London and I, I worked for a housing association as their my head marketing and PR manager and that was great because it was a business and a um, a charity combined so it had to make money but it put its profits into social good if you like and I really really enjoyed that so then I went to I went to a head of comms job for a skills organization and then I had children <laughs> so after that, I then realised it's. I found it too difficult to keep going into. I was working in central London, commuting. I couldn't make it all work. So I thought, right, I'm going to give it a pause. And then I ended up doing projects just for people I'd worked for. And I thought, oh, I could make this into my job. And so I uh-huh. set up a company. And I, I just, um, for ten years, I did so many brilliant, diverse projects all different things, um, really opportunistic. I had a plan, didn't follow the plan. I tried to, but again, (laughs) so often I found that you have to hold these things lightly. You have to have an idea and direction, but be prepared to flex and adapt as your situation changes and circumstances change for you. So I did that for 10 years, and then I got an opportunity to come back into an organization uh, to to go back to running a team. And that's where I then built up the City and Guilds Foundation, which we launched last year. And tell us a little bit more about that. So the foundation is all about the sort of the philanthropic arm of City and Guilds as an organization. So I'm sure a lot of people will have heard of the brand um, associated with skills and training and skills development. But it it makes money through most of its products and services. The foundation, what it does is it uses um, some of those profits for for the uh, for philanthropic purposes. So it helps those furthest from the job market get into a job, perhaps ex-offenders or people Uh who've had really tough backgrounds. And it also shines a light through rewards and recognition on brilliant training and skills development and where that can lead you so everything it does amplifies the core purpose of the parent organization city and guilds and you head that up and you head that up with such passion I can feel it (laughs) and I can I've also got the benefit of seeing you as well and you're beaming with with smiles as you talk about that and that's lovely to see that connection now you've just said a, a phrase there which you kind of said just off the cuff and it kind of hit me just how marvelous it was and you said you know I've learned to hold these things lightly I mean that is a meme if ever I've heard one it's that kind of the idea of the squiggly career and and going with it taking the opportunities and not being too wedded to you know the the plan that you set out with I think that you know that in a nutshell is a great lesson and it, it brings us on I suppose to the lessons that you've learned along the way because I'm sure there have been many um, yeah. with these twists and turns that you've taken so so what what are they and and what have you learned as a result okay so I have learned that exactly as you say about um, the squiggly career it's not you can't and you shouldn't plan that you're going to just have this upward trajectory that's just a smooth curve it's it's very much like a game of snakes and ladders definitely uh-huh. <laughs> 
Um, and you can't always see what's ahead of you. And despite, I'm quite controlling. I think many people are. And you, <laughs> you think you can control your own destiny. And so often you can't. And so what I've learned is that, um, and it was a, one of my colleagues who taught me the hold things lightly phrase, which I really, it's so true. When we hold on too rigidly to things, you miss opportunities. You don't realise that you need to flex and adapt in order to be able to benefit more um, from things you can't necessarily see in the moment. And it's really hard because often you might have put in so much work into something and and you can't bear that it's not going to uh, go in the way that you thought. But if you don't let go of that and try and find a new way of doing something, you lose out. You lose out. And others do too. So, and I, I would apply that to say my marriage situation with my children. I thought if we don't do something differently, this is just going to get worse and worse. But it doesn't have to be what's painted out there as the norm. We can choose to do things differently. And I believe that in everything. I think whenever you, you, you constantly fall over, don't you? I don't believe that ever, anyone doesn't. But it's about how you pick yourself up and how you, how you allow yourself to think, OK, right, what can I do differently? How can I move on from this? How can I let go of it? And it's really hard. It's a constant practice. But that's, I think that's something I've learned. And, and the, again, that point that you've just made about a marriage, you know, that there is this kind of um, blueprint, I suppose, for how a marriage should be. And I hear so often people say, you know, I'm not happy with my partner. Actually, that's that's usually a representation that somebody isn't happy with themselves. But actually, we're going to stay together for the sake of the children. Yeah. And then when you dig into that relationship with the person, how they are showing up at home it must be detrimental for the children because they're experiencing this conflict, you know, people who aren't fully connected and actually taking that brave decision to end the relationship and then experience the relationship in a different way for the benefit of the children must be on so many counts more healthy than staying in it. Well, I get that. I guess that's what I believe. And it is really difficult because everybody's situation is different. But I'm sure for me and my ex-husband and my children, that was the right thing. And we have then had so many benefits from it, many more than I could ever have. Well, we wouldn't have had that if we'd stayed together. And then he's a really good friend. I got broken into last year and he was the first person who came around and helped me. We went to the Isle of Wight Festival last year with the girls. It was <laughs> but then once we get on each other's nerves, it's like, right, okay, you don't have to see you now, great. And there's no, there's no, you know, but also bringing up children for anyone is hard. It's tough, isn't it? Oh, Being a parent. So it's, I'm, I, you know, I appreciate having that other parent to be able to say, look, how are you managing with this? Because you know what, I've just, you know, I'm at the end of my tether. And, and, and you have to work, we have to work really hard at mm co-parents in different houses um, and clearly people love to share their opinions lots of people think it is better to stay together so you just have to have to keep evaluating what you're doing and remembering and trying and working that's you know that's my experience anyway so that kind of just do you what's right for you what's right for your family and making sure that you're true to that regardless of what the blueprint might say that we should do or ought to do 
I love that. That's so good to lean into. And and you talked about this idea of working with organisations that have social purpose, and it's clearly a passion, and I can really hear that in what you're saying. But what else drives you to keep going every day, particularly on those days where you, know, you wake up and it feels like it's going to be a slog? Oh, that's a good question. So um, I think I've got quite a natural high level of drive, which I've always been uh, grateful for. But I also need people to to bring that alive. So when I so with a team, it's easy because I get so much energy from being around other people. And I love to have fun as well. So I love to have if there's laughter, if something could become silly and jokey, it, well, even if it's supposed to be serious, then I'll love that. And that will energise and, and perhaps help bring other new ideas and thoughts that wouldn't have been there already. When I ran my own business, I would say it was harder because I was so much on my own at home. And so I would then use anybody I could to get that spark and inspiration and idea generation going. So I, I'd say I use other people, use other people. Well, hopefully. <laughs> In the right way, obviously. <laughs> yes, actually. God, I'm really manipulative. <laughs> and, and how do you take care of yourself? So, you know, there's this whole kind of ethos for well-being. We talk about meditation and mindfulness and exercise and green smoothies and all of this sort of stuff. But everybody has their own way of taking care and I'm a big advocate for mental health so I'm always interested to know about how leaders take care of their mindset and their well-being so I think I would even though I would love to think that I did all the you know drank green smoothies I think I've only been able to swallow one once um (laughs) do loads of exercise I did take up running when I was 46 which I'm really proud of because I think you know what, you can, if you can take it up that age, you can take it up at any age. So I do that a couple of times a week, generally. I, and I find that really helps, really helps work through problems, really helps with, with mental health. I also find, and I've always found, talking to other people really helpful. Um, there's been times in that I've been quite anxious in my life, and talking to others with who have empathy and sharing, I, I definitely do that. With people I know will get it, and that, so that's something I would say I do to look after myself. I also um, I know that other people can lift me, so in the same way for work, I need that energy. Sometimes just me, my friends are really important to me, my family, having that fun having fun taking yourself out of yourself using humor as well humor I find a massive thing that helps your well-being because if you Mm. suddenly see things in a lighter way and you don't take yourself so seriously and it all feels better so actually you know making looking at your own tragedies and making them into comedies I think is quite a (laughs) way of you know taking care of yourself and entertaining other people as well so yeah, it's seeing that that light side of the dark, isn't it? Yeah. And being able to pull that out and actually it doesn't then feel quite yeah. so bad. But you've just mentioned anxiety there. And I think there are a lot of misconceptions about anxiety and, and actually what it is. So a question I'm always interested in is how individuals actually do anxiety. So how does that present itself for you? Because it's very different for, for different people. That is so true. That is so true. 
for me, it becomes obsessive thinking where in a negative way, where I can't stop a certain train of thoughts. And I am I am a naturally creative person, which is great for my work. I have ideas all over the place. But on the other hand, in it, if that in, in um, anxiety for me can mean that I could catastrophize mm. the worst scenarios um, and be get stuck in them, get stuck in them and start to believe them. And then that leads to a downward spiral. So I need, I need help to get out of that. And I think that I must have realized that in my early 20s, maybe mid 20s, late 20s, when I had particularly bad anxiety. And it was then I realized how useful talking therapy is and also how useful um friends are so I've had counseling a few times in my life and found it really helpful and I would I'm a really strong advocate for for anything like that that can you know talking is the most important thing and being to you and sharing yeah and that that's the what you've just articulated there in terms of those racing thoughts and the rumination on one thing is definitely a, a common trait when it comes to anxiety along with things like you know the racing heart and one of the things that I found really effective with clients around that is actually practicing mindfulness so being able to switch the thoughts from the ruminating thought to being in the moment and paying attention to maybe you know a flower that you've just picked from the garden or feeling the grass underneath your feet or whatever it might be such that you're able to stop that racing thought and and build resilience in the system to be able to switch thoughts whenever you need to so that's another way of as well as reaching out and talking which is brilliant so that's so true and actually I've got into gardening in the last five years since I've moved and I find that really helpful with mindfulness not in a proper structured way but just because they're just the very um nature of touching the earth and doing things basic nature and I've no idea what I do I just you know I don't follow books I just mess about and I plant stuff but I love it and I find it really helps so no I I think that that that's that's very true as well um there are things that can help you with mindfulness I'm not I don't find it so easy just to sit and meditate I find me neither and so then that stresses me if I think oh god I've got to sit and just not think and you know focus on this one thing whereas I can find that other things like being outside can really help achieve that albeit you're not trying to do it that makes sense oh totally I I completely understand when when I sit and try and do the meditation on you know and and let the thoughts fall away then I get quite frustrated because I am a busy-minded person and it feels like you are too um so that kind of purposeful mindfulness I suppose or even doing a jigsaw or something like that 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 keeps you occupied I find that much better too I think the worst if you're stuck in anxiety I just think though sometimes those things they they can't help you because you know whereas if it's sort of not too bad then you can do a jigsaw or you can potter about outside or uh, go for a run but sometimes when it gets acute that's when to me I'll need to have a conversation to, with someone who I know will be helpful to try and break that cycle and I think it's something that uh, the other thing I would say is that you do it's not something you ever conquer it's an ongoing work in progress and I think that's true of all the life lessons there's nothing I've ever not to have not have to continue to work at always you think oh yeah I've got there and you haven't you've just got to keep getting there keep trying keep doing things differently it's you know that's how I absolutely spot on point 
because so many people out there are looking for the quick fix you know, oh, can you solve this for me? You know, can you do me some hypnotherapy and stop me from doing this? And there are lots of people out there that believe that that is, is you know, accessible. But I guess in my experience, and, and you're saying yours too, is that actually it is a constant deliberate practice in the same way as, you know, if you want to keep your weight at a healthy level, yeah. if you want to keep your fitness levels, you know, at a decent place such that you can go out for a run, you have to keep working at it. And when you stop all of these thoughts and feelings can come back and and bite you so I think that's a a brilliant point you've made thank you and and you're being really vulnerable on this podcast and sharing things that you know have you faced into adversity you faced into challenges and and sharing some of your thoughts around anxiety and it's so refreshing to to hear that and and vulnerability is always a question that I ask on the podcast in terms of what does it mean to you because again different people have different views so be interesting to hear your thoughts on vulnerability I think it means being able to show your how you actually are at any one time. So showing that weakness, the weakness that we all feel in some ways and, and not being worried about that, not trying to hide it. And I have to say, I probably I don't find it hard when I feel um, anxious. I just want help. And I've never found it hard to ask for help. It doesn't mean I don't feel sometimes a bit of self-loathing I do I feel like I should be able to be better than this but actually come on but you know we all we're all the same in one way so actually to me that vulnerability is to be able to share all of your fears your worst bits your weaknesses and also at the same time your strength and your self-belief and your I will get through this because I absolutely believe that whatever situation you're in, there's you'll get through it. There's another way around. Something else will happen. Good times and, will come again. I really believe that. And I'm assuming that being able to lean into your own weak spots or blind spots, as I like to call them, and also knowing your strengths means that you'll be great at surrounding yourself with the right people the ones that can bolster the things that perhaps you're not so good at so in terms of that what are the traits that you look for in other people when you're building a team or even a friendship group oh that's interesting so I look for positive um positive attitudes so people who who are willing to try things people who are willing to expand their mindsets and and not um think around something not just how this is my skills and experience so that's what i've put on the table they have i'm much more interested in if you're if you're really keen and willing to do something and you've got an open mind, those are the things. And you want to do that as part of a team. You want to be in it together. Those things are all what I look for in my friends and, and in my work teams. So, yeah. Love that. You make me smile out loud. I'm just, I'm just beaming, smiling all the way through this podcast. Um, now, we're at the time in the podcast where we play the game, the five second game rule. And if you've listened to the podcast, you'll know all about this. This is where you need to give me three answers to a question and you have five seconds to give me the three answers. So it's all quick fire, pressure's on. You've got this. I know you have. So are you ready? Yes. Marvellous. So in the five second game rule, can you give me three things that make you feel happy? Sunshine wine friends 
<laughs> I love the wine. <laughs> Loads of people oh, say the wine. I should have come first. <laughs> the truth is that. <laughs> Drinking on my own in the sun. Hi. Sorry. Drinking in the sunshine with friends, not on lockdown, obviously. Yeah. And um, let's do another one. So um, in the five second game rule, can you give me three words to describe you? Uh, funny, um, open-minded, a bit obsessive. <laughs> oh, the last one's joyous, aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. So let's go to the big killer question. So this is the one that everybody is keen to understand. And so far we have had so many diverse answers. Um, so I think it's always worth asking. The ultimate question is, what do you believe is the secret to success? I believe that it is, going back to some things I've said before, all about being open-minded and willing to always look again at a situation and find new ways of achieving things or getting around a, a problem. So, you know, it's, it's about being as broad minded and, and but with a clear goal in mind. OK, so having that kind of outcome where you want to get to, but not being too wedded to Absolutely, yeah. the way yeah. to get there. All of my things that I've done over my life so far, they've never gone in the according to a plan that I've set. I put lots of time into planning. I'm not, you know, I'm not against it. I just think that if you're not willing and quick to adapt when you need to in any situation, then you won't be successful. So, it so is going back to your point of holding things lightly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Holding things like me, but having it all as a plan and being that conductor, they're having a just oh. keeping check on everything and then, you know, pulling in some strengths when you need them, pushing back others, looking ahead, being able to see ahead. But then, as I said, being able to flex and adapt as you get into the actual future, not the one that you had in your mind. Oh, amazing. And I wish people could see you right now because <laughs> your hands are going all over the place as you tell me this this amazing story. It's brilliant. You're so alive. You're just so full of energy and joy. And it. I really hope that it's come across through the audio as much as it has me watching you. Because, you know, I said at the beginning, we've never met. So you were introduced to me um, by a good friend, Polly. Um, and I feel like I've known you forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so do I. I. I could go on chatting and chatting. So that's <laughs> more like, like, okay, bring it in now. <laughs> it's been an absolute joy. And I just know that we will chat again. So thank oh. you for all of your um, honesty and your openness and for sharing some of the more personal aspects of your journey, as well as obviously the, the work-based and professional-based ones. It's I always think it's a really balanced and and effective way of of telling this story about you know that the, the different questions that we ask so I can't thank you enough oh well thank you very much for having me on your podcast I've loved it and you know thank you very much I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the mindset mentor meets podcast if you did be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links for more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. 
Now I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode and do leave us a five star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now, I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.